0: This is Marketing Today from Melbourne, Australia, your number one podcast, the news and commentary on some of today's
1: top marketing stories. Now, here's your host, Peter Wagstaff. Welcome back to Marketing Today, episode number 94 wags here with cole on the couch it's great to be back wags particularly good to be back actually well, good to be back in australia i didn't think you were going to get back at any uh, you at didn't think stage you didn't
0: think i was going to get back yes the great escape i tunneled out of england and That's right now uh, you were in england just for just
1: for our listeners uh, cole was uh, stranded at heathrow for a short while weren't you uh, with the uh, the ash cloud over over europe uh, str- well stranded in london,
0: london in, in yeah. london it, what was r- interesting about that was that um you couldn't actually see anything in fact, l- London. Hang on, you mean there was no visible ash? In the there, sky. there was no visible ash. Yes. There, was, there was no visible ash. In fact, and what was actually really interesting, it's been a sort of long cold winter in England, southern England, and it was about the first time they'd seen the sun in months. Well, and because uh, there was no pollution from all the airplanes flying over Europe. Well, it, it was it was certainly quiet. It was it was it was such a, it was eerily quiet, and uh, we've got an ex-student actually who lives near Heathrow who posted that he was actually losing uh, losing sleep because it was so quiet. It was too quiet, <laughs> yeah, because there was the planes going over every ninety seconds.
1: Now you're in the UK but doing some work, but you were trying to get to Switzerland to, to, to a, Switzerland. a branding conference
0: yeah, there. Yeah. yeah, but what was interesting from a brand point of view, mm-hmm. there the, this ash cloud that was stopping the the planes from coming. It was beautiful, clear blue skies. <laughs> and in fact, uh, business in London, in particular, actually slowed down because people were taking the day off because the sun was shining. <laughs> and I mean, to, to Australians, that seems mad, but it, it really does affect the way in which the Brits look at things. Mm. Now, I, I was I was working in the British Library, uh, and for a couple of days, I, I was advised get there early so you can get a seat. Yeah, 1,200 seats in the library there. Um, Get the so you can get a seat. And I was working with a colleague. We needed two seats next to each other and connections and so on. Um, The day the sun shone, the day the sun shone. The library was empty. It was half empty. It didn't, it was no more than half empty all day. (laughs) It's quite astonishing to those of us from a gorgeous climate like ours. So how
1: did you get from uh, London to Switzerland?
0: Well, I, as I say, I tunneled out of Britain just like Steve McQueen in The Great Escape. <laughs> except Steve McQueen didn't have the Eurostar train <laughs> available. Okay, so I, I got a, a Eurostar train, and talk about the Eurostar people said oh, they weren't price gouging, they weren't taking advantage of it. <laughs> I paid five times as much as I've ever paid for a Eurostar ticket, and I watched the price go up.
1: Well, what was wonderful as while you were there on that mm-hmm. very day that you were trying mm-hmm. to get that uh, train out of England mm-hmm. to, to mainland Europe I received a, uh, an email here from one of the travel agents I'm subscribed to offering mm-hmm. uh, Eurostar tickets for I think it was $99 Australian 99 dollars. dollars one sorry. way 165 Aussie dollars return yeah well I paid for uh, I paid
0: 450 pounds which was 800 dollars return and oh. no question of getting your thing
1: yeah so close close to 10 dollars oh. yeah. <laughs> Well, is that just supply and demand? I mean, surely that's their rack rate, I guess they call it. That's their standard price. And it's a case of no discounted tickets while demand is so high. Well, I, I, I think it's entirely
0: le- legitimate from their point of view why they said they weren't taking advantage of it, I don't know, because I mean, clearly
1: they were, as, as, as you would. Mm, of course. I, I mean, the, people were... Why discount tickets when there's so much demand? They need to manage that demand by pumping their prices up. And and they incurred extra
0: charges because they had to get extra security mm. uh, on, on board. I mean, the huge crowds and everything. Mm. The uh, the airport, when I finally got out of, of London to fly back, uh, they actually they had a whole... The, uh, barrage, basically, of security guards checking your boarding pass or your ticket before they even let you into the terminal. The only people allowed into the terminal were people with just tickets. Just, why? Just so, because of the crowds? Because of the crowds. Every single plane that was going was full, mm. and the, uh, the, the, the terminals had. Uh, you know, overcrowded at the best of times uh, so they didn't even want people who were you know the friends and lovers uh, seeing you off mm. you know, the, the tearful farewells were happening at the curbside in the rain rather than um, uh, rather than in the terminal itself because there
1: had been people sneaking in and then trying to force their way on planes and making unpleasantness and okay stuff. now for our first year students at the moment that are studying pricing I mean yes. you just mentioned the word gouging what's the difference between gouging and demand management He's there a difference. <laughs> As a customer, I was gouged. As a manager, I'm managing demand. Um, it's it's a, a fine line to tread, really. And, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, when do customers feel completely ripped off versus being prepared to pay a higher price for, for the service based on such high demand? Well, I was perfectly happy to pay a higher price because in my, na- in my <laughs> naivety,
0: I thought the insurance company was going to pay. Yeah. Uh, I now discover an awful lot of insurance companies aren't paying because, well, we don't insure against accidents or acts of God. Uh, acts of God, I think they call it, don't they? Yeah, the, the volcano is an act of God. So they don't insure against things that might go wrong. Uh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> our friend at Ryanair was good. Oh, wasn't that brilliant? He, yeah. he R- R- to R- Ryanair, this is the guy who charges extra for what wheelchairs. Tony like O'Leary. Um, yeah, Tony O'Leary? Michael, Michael. Michael O'Leary. Michael. So, Michael. Some, something O'Leary. Wonderful Irish based airline that's low, low cost. I think they spend no money on advertising. They don't need to because they have this outrageous CEO who. Uh, this is the guy who said. Uh, he was working on a way of making people pay to visit the toilet on the plane. That's
1: right. Talking, mm.
0: about, I don't think that ever happened, but I think it. Oh, no, he, he, he raises it every now and, publicity and again. Publicity yeah. Uh, pub- <laughs> of course, it's publicity stunt yeah. because it, it absolutely positions the brand as a low cost oh, brand. No. So this, is the, he was suggesting standing room only on planes. So yeah. put, put you in some seats that have you standing up, yeah. which frankly would suit me. What anyway, yeah, it? It happens on public
1: transport anyway?
0: Happens on trains. Half an hour, train, yeah, right? Well, half an hour. If people are coming to campus here, you can very easily spend. An hour standing on a train, mm. and planes are generally smoother than that. So, yeah, you'd have some sort of belt arrangement, I'm sure. I
1: think he's, he's a great innovator. But he was refusing to pay for um, uh, emergency accommodation if people were stranded yeah. as a result of uh, uh, the flights. He, he said, "I'll refund you the cost of the ticket. That's all." Well, I've got and, some and in some cases, in some cases,
0: of course, the ticket was only <laughs> the equivalent of ten dollars. It was five euros or, or exactly. ten. But Why okay. should
1: he be paying hundreds of dollars a night for accommodation when people have only paid ten or twenty bucks for a ticket? That. Uh, that, that was his uh, his view. It turns out that the the regulations over there, the European Union
0: regulations, say that you do have to pay mm. if you're an airline. And he's saying this is outrageously unfair because if you're if you're a ferry or a um, uh, or, or a train, if you're land transport, you're limited to the cost of the ticket. Yeah. it's only airlines we well, have
1: to pay. Extra. Those regulations were probably written back in the days when there were no discount airlines around, and it was a yeah. case of airline travel was a luxury. Yeah, yeah.
0: Um, and and I suspect, well, and and also, I mean, there are more trains and ferries around, also. Mm -hmm. So there was um some... um, it, it, he's an interesting guy. That was a that was a good example there. So he got a couple of days of publicity to um, show that he was a low cost airline again. Yeah. And all these people jumping up and down and saying, "I'll I'll never I'll never ever fly Ryanair again because they're dreadful." <laughs> of course, of course they will. It's cheap. Of course, his sales. Yeah, because if you're going to uh, you know, choose to go that or the other, hmm. uh, or, or the other end of the spectrum, which are you going to do? That said, when I got to, uh, I did manage to get to Switzerland and. and Nine or ten hours in a hire car from Paris later. Oh, uh, you, so
1: you drove from Paris to Switzerland?
0: Yes, and I'm here to tell you that most, but sadly not all, <laughs> French
1: drive on the right hand side of the road. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and the petrol prices would have been nice and high during all of that too. I'm uh,
0: sure. the, the, yeah, the fuel was very expensive. The roads were very crowded. Um, yep. And here's a big thank you to Hertz for closing all their uh, their airport based uh, rentals because well, the airport's closed. So why should we? Well, there'll probably oh, no oh, cars oh, left anyway. I guess. Oh, possibly. Well, I picked up I picked up a car, a Hertz car, but it was absolutely slap bang in the centre of Paris. So there, I'm at eleven o'clock on a Saturday morning, <laughs> trying to get out of Paris with a, a big s- roundabout around the trail. Triomphe. Well, most of it, I, I actually avoided <laughs> that. I'm not the, totally stupid. The world's I worst junction. Yeah, I, I did manage to <clears throat> avoid that, but what a stupid idea, because there's European cities you don't drive around the middle of. Full of them. European drivers, aren't they? Uh, well, yes, y- yes, indeed. And, and the odd foreigner like me, desperately trying to... <laughs> oh, someone's stolen the steering wheel. It's on the <laughs> wrong side of the car. Um, <laughs> but it, it's actually an American way of thinking. You pick up a car downtown... Mm. but I mean nobody sensible drives a car in the center of any European city it's oh. stupid I mean I was getting overtaken by old women on zimmer frames <laughs> um, it, it took an hour and a half to get out of town and yeah, oh. stu- stupid thing to do but again it, it's what hire car comp- American based higher car companies think you want to do because that's what they do in the states yeah. Yeah. that said that said got the uh, is actually a really interesting conference talking about a uh, big jump from Ryanair to the opposite end of the spectrum uh, jean noel Capfire was there the, um, uh, one of the early gurus in, uh, in brand management mm-hmm. and he was talking about luxury he's got a new book out on luxury branding and I, th- I think
1: so, yeah, it, it's not racist or anything to say the French do luxury branding really oh, well. And most of the, the they, they big can, luxury brands worldwide, so many of them are French brands.
0: Louis, Louis, Louis Vuitton, fashion Louis, Annecy, and Annecy, perfume, and yeah, champagne, Balenciaga
1: and, 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 and
0: all this. Louis Vuitton, LVMH, actually sponsor a professorship of marketing at another university in Paris. Mm-hmm. And that's a job I'd kill for, actually. The, the Louis Vuitton Moet Hennessy Professor of Luxury Branding. What a job, eh? Imagine the perks. God, so... <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, well, Kefra doesn't doesn't have this job. He's he's he was at another university in um, in Paris, mm-hmm. and he was uh, t- t- telling us about the the clue C-L-E-W,
1: CLEW index. index. The no. cost of living extremely well. The cost of living extremely well. What is the cost of living extremely well? Well.
0: It, you know, we all know about the CPI, the cost of living, you know, the the boring stuff that ordinary human beings like I, uh, like you and me. Yeah, you know, with uh, the cost of trains, veggies in the supermarket, petrol, yeah. and 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 so basic on. Clothing and. Basic clothing, yeah, basic things. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, the cost of living extremely well is about the outrageously expensive stuff, the the real that we've on, not the fakes that we and okay. our students have. Yes, um, the um, n- not so much you know flying Ryanair, but flying. In a
1: chartered plane, or possibly first class, but I think it's chartered planes, actually, or, or private jets. Okay, private so it's it's really the the ultimate in, in, in what consumers um, yeah. use and buy. Yep.
0: Mm-hmm. So, I mean, he, he's pointing out that, that uh, from 1976, when this index first started, if you started with the CPI and the cost of living extremely well at 100, uh, the CPI the, has the, gone... Uh, uh, indexed together, yes. Indexed mm-hmm. together. The CPI has gone up about three and a half times mm-hmm. since then in 30 four, thirty-five years. Yes. So, yeah, it's about right. Yeah. Um, the cost of living extremely well, though, has gone up about seven times. Okay, so double. So, yeah. so, so the, so the gap has increased. Mm. The, the gap's increased. I mean, it's, of course, it's always been much more expensive. Luxury has always been much more expensive, but luxury has become proportionately more, more, okay, more expensive. so,
1: so the luxury product uh, are becoming more and more expensive. Why? Or, or what? there, or there are more and more luxury products around to buy. Are there more and more people in that income bracket that can afford? Them? Uh, I wonder. Yes. Uh, yeah, well, is it, is it a growing market? We're, we're, world
0: wealth is increasing, and and increasingly, it's not an uh, it's not a Western European thing or mm. North American, which it, which is what it was in the mid seventies when they started it. Yep. You know, you've got uh, you've got billionaires in exotic parts of the world, with which, frankly, more listeners to this are familiar. A place like India, China. Yes. Uh, I I forget now how many billionaires there are in China, but goodness me, they're good at spending. Because because they're new to the money, so they're spending
1: it. Well, and they, spend, always, they actually spend it much more yeah. than the old money does. Well, if we um, look at a place like India, we've always had extremes in, in yeah. social class there. And yeah. remember, um, the, the the extreme upper class are, are so much wealthier than the extreme lower class. Yeah. Whereas here in Australia, for example, we have a, a the majority of Australians are in that that big middle class. Yeah, all one
0: wonderful egalitarian society, yeah. well, more or less. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, but yes, very few Australians starving to death and in, uh, only slightly more sort of fabulously wealthy with their
1: own aeroplanes. So um, the big brands, the luxury brands, mm-hmm. what? how do they respond? Are they just continuing to push prices up further and further as a uh, result? Well, it's not just
0: prices, but it's it's quality of stuff too. Read his book. It, it, it's a good book. Mm, okay. uh, uh, Kapfrey, K-A-P-F yeah yeah thank you yes yeah. um so yeah he he goes beyond the uh, you know the, the the fact that you know cats and having lawns is, are, are, um, are are luxuries I think are, a
1: lawn is a luxury.
0: Absolutely, and I'm not talking about. I'm not talking. Well, in about some countries, but not all. I'm not talking about drought-stricken Melbourne here. I'll yeah. let I leave you and the listeners to think about it and make suggestions. <laughs> okay. um, but uh, actually, well, uh, yeah, I mean, there's some other really, really interesting things at that uh, at that conference. Actually, talking about co-creation of brands being uh, sort of facilitated by technology, user-generated okay, so yeah.
1: co-creation of brands is is customers being involved
0: in creating the brand
1: values and customers.
0: Uh, customers are just as much owners of the brand as the man as the managers are
1: because fact, they communicate can communicate Becoming like. the owners more than ever before I mean they're, they're taking control of brands now taking control of brands and driving brands that's mm. really interesting yeah um, and you you
0: look at some organizations are trying to tap into that user-generated content on, on the web particularly mmm yeah exactly and uh, uh, and with actually really interesting I- interesting results I mean there was s- some research and uh, actually I might uh, get you to talk about an example in a minute mm-hmm. but, uh, because we were talking about this just before but the research says that the uh, the brand equity uh, a user-generated content does have an actual effect on the measurable equity of the brand through uh, the sense of community and this co-creation stuff and the, uh, the congruence with the with the self-concept Mm-hmm. And as an example of that, we might go to the Boeing example that you showed
1: me. Yeah, well, Boeing, there was a, a great little story that came out during the week, and this was uh, from a blogger in the United States. This guy's name is John Windsor. Um, and this is a, a lovely little story. He, um, his eight-year-old son, Harry, um, loves drawing pictures of aeroplanes. Eight year old boys do, don't they? Have, absolutely. You know, and he really probably picture hasn't spent a as, a... as much time flying on them waiting for them <laughs> as
0: you and me. Yeah.
1: yeah. And he, he drew up this little design of an aeroplane which um, he um, sent off to Boeing. It was all about fighting fires and so on. So it was a, a new new potential design for Boeing. It's a, not a bad drawing for an eight year old either, I must say. I've got a copy of it here. <laughs> um, uh, uh, I'll uh, put a, uh, link uh, to this uh, in uh, the show uh, notes for yeah, people. Yeah. Um, anyway, so um, Harry's dad, John, sent it off to Boeing um, with a little note from Harry saying, um, here's a design. And we think you might want to consider it so uh, from an eight-year-old, right? an eight-year-old yeah, absolutely yeah. so f- fairly
0: obviously <laughs> fairly obviously not a uh, not a serious suggestion for major structural change but yeah
1: exactly mm-hmm. anyway they um uh, harry and uh, was actually s- sent off signed from harry the, mm-hmm. the eight-year-old and later was sent back to mr harry windsor mm-hmm. uh from boeing and um quite frightening the uh, the way in which they sent this letter back let me uh let me just tell you some of the words we're in basically it's dear mr windsor the Mm eight-year-old thank you for your message received so uh, such and such date and your interest in boeing as a global aerospace leader we received many unsolicited solicited ideas uh, about how to improve our products are encouraged by this enthusiasm because it tells us people really want to be connected and protected. Hmm. Okay, so there's a nice positive Good. start. Yeah. However, like my, many large companies, we do not accept unsolicited ideas. Oh. <laughs> Sorry, can you just repeat that? We do not accept unsolicited ideas oh, 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 oh It gets worse, though. Experience shows that most ideas have already been considered by our engineers, and there can be unintended consequences to simply accepting these ideas. The time, cost, and risk. It's, it's, it's... <laughs> Hang on, it goes a step further. So while we appreciate your interest, we regret to inform you that we have disposed of your message and retained no copies. Dear eight-year-old, <laughs> thank you for the lovely drawing. We've, we've, thrown, just, the bin. we've
2: thrown it in the bin. <laughs> Oh,
1: Lord.
0: Why are they doing this, Wax? (laughs) It's
1: it's lawyers, isn't it? It's the lawyers, and here's the standard form letter that the the The, lawyers have told
0: them to send out. The lawyers are worried because somebody once sent in a suggestion that they had already thought of and then claimed copyright on it and wanted to be paid. Exactly. (laughs) As a result of which they're telling some eight-year-old boy who loves drawing aeroplanes... Mm. they've told him that they've thrown his stuff in the bin and then they wonder why people want to blow him.
1: Now this eight year old boy I mean one day he may become an aeronautical engineer or if encouraged yeah. But he's certainly never going to be a fan of Boeing ever again in his life and nor is his dad or anyone who reads his dad's blog Which which, which there are thousands of people and an increasing number of people as a result of this incident. Hmm. Um, And so John, his father, actually uh, in his blog asked the question, so what do I now do? I've got a moral dilemma. Do I show the letter to Harry and kill his dream of being an airplane designer or do I just throw it away and tell him that we didn't receive anything back? Oh, what a dilemma. Ooh. (laughs) Do you lie, yeah. What did Uh, he do? Well, he blogged about it um, and he's had... Many, many responses to the blog, including people from Boeing responding. Excellent. In a very embarrassed way. Not from um, the legal department, I take not it. Not from the legal department. Mm-hmm. Saying, oops, looks like we've done the wrong thing. Now, I, I think this is a classic case of how, I was going to use the word consumers, customers, the general public. Everyone now has a voice. And hmm. little eight year old Harry. Has got a very loud and strong voice Hmm. that will be heard by by many and uh, and big business when they just try and squash those little voices, they really uh, are going to suffer as a result of it. It's uh, Boeing, uh, yeah. Boeing are big and they
0: can uh, they can afford to employ very expensive, very stupid, very unimaginative lawyers. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Yes. My name is Peter Wagstaff. (laughs) (laughs) And my address is for Ritz. yeah. (laughs) Yes, address all comments to the Monash University Legal Department.
1: But I think this is a classic case of of big business not understanding new media. And how... um, Absolutely. Because, I mean, ultimately this comes down to the fact that Harry's now got a voice through his dad's blog. Yeah. And big business not understanding that. And, uh, yeah, they'll suffer as a result. Hmm. Well, they
0: they certainly will. Mm. But I mean, it it does look, from the stuff you showed me, that 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 Boeing have managed to recover quite, um, uh, uh, quite well. Because I think an an engineer. Um, from Boeing also commented on it the communications director um, got in there he even tweeted about it even though Boeing had only just discovered Twitter must be one of the last organizations in the world to do that might yes. get back to Twitter in a minute actually <laughs> we um, will definitely and uh, and and even uh, and and then called Harry did you see that they came. I didn't know that no, the, the, didn't comu- the communications director of Boeing she called Harry and asked him if he'd like to come on a tour of Boeing Oh, nice. And there's a, there's a photograph of Harry looking like he's about to explode. He's, uh, he is a, a smug and happy. He,
1: he, is, he, he is, yeah.
0: All Harry's Christmases have come at once. He's getting a tour of a real aeroplane factory. But
1: I think huh? Boeing's ultimate response here has been yeah. good. When they stuff up, they've admitted it, they've apologised, and they do everything they possibly can to recover from that mistake. Hmm. Very similar to, um, to what Gordon Brown did recently. Well,
0: as I, I, w- I was over there when, when this happened. Gordon Brown is the... Well, as we speak, we're recording this on Thursday the 6th, he's about to become the ex-Prime Minister of, of Great Britain, yes. which, uh, I guess. It, 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 it's it, looking it, that way. It, it's looking that way. They've got a general election happening today, mm-hmm. uh, uh, their time. Uh, and he's not looking good. He's a, it's a tired old government and it's post-global financial crisis. The UK has actually got a bigger... Deficit than Greece, and the Greeks are in serious trouble at the moment. Yes. So, so they're going through the whole sort of rigmarole of an of an election campaign. And Gordon Brown, the current Prime Minister, who's a a bit of a policy nerd, he was a very good treasurer, certain analogies perhaps with other countries. (laughs) Um, He was going around trying to be friendly to the population in front of the television cameras, he was wired for sound and uh, so on, so he had having this conversation uh, in the streets with some uh, woman in uh, Manchester came up to him and said oh I don't know what you're gonna do about all these immigrants coming over here taking our jobs I don't like them I used to live there that's why I <laughs> that well, uh, well I'm doing a better job than <laughs> you but, uh, but I hope there's no not too many people there I can pick that it wasn't a very good accent and so he yeah you know, he, he sort of smiled at him and said oh well yeah you know, there's a lot of us who travel internationally as well, well the cameras are on him well, well, well mm-hmm. the cameras on him and, mm-hmm. and, and and desperately grinning all the time so as not to look worried for the um, uh, for the pick hopped back into, the ca- into his car and forgetting that he was still wired for
1: sound. He was sitting in the back with his advisor, I think, yeah. or one of his yeah. um, his minders. Yeah, and said grumpily, Who put me in front of that
0: stupid woman? <laughs> yeah. Whose idea was I that? She to her as a bigot? She was a bigoted old woman. It, it, yeah. And this was broadcast, and there was a huge fuss about it. And I actually still can't understand why, because... She, she was a bigoted old woman. She was a old woman, yeah. <laughs> he had to apologize but I politicians think, don't call their uh, <laughs> their voters bigger than old women well i think he had to apologize because he was
1: actually telling the truth and nobody expects a politician <laughs> to do that <laughs> but he then his recovery was to to go and yeah, i believe he visited her at home and sat down with her for an hour talking and apologizing i, d- I don't know who found it more painful frankly <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, <laughs>
0: anyway yeah so uh, so it's uh, so somebody not understanding technology exactly I yes. mean, yeah we, we mentioned mentioned twitter before
1: perhaps not yeah. understanding technology well, we, we did and this week we've had uh, some interesting developments here in australia with um, with twitter and the use of twitter um the the most of our listeners i'm sure would be aware of um of the ex-age journalist or writer Catherine deviney uh, and she's been sacked from her position at the Age newspaper this week as a result of something she did on Sunday night during the Logies, and that was some
0: tweeting. She, she, she was tweeting from the Logies, as as people do. Hmm. I mean, they probably a very... I um, can't imagine it's all that exciting an event, frankly, <laughs> sitting around there listening, uh, looking at third-rate um, entertainers giving each other awards and drinking free booze, which might have had something to do with it, who knows. Um, and Daphne, who is, I mean, she's professionally controversial, there's a lot of people that absolutely hate her, she's, I, I, I actually happen to, and I, I, I value what she does, I don't always agree with what she says, but it's
1: challenging, it's sort of stuff I work in a university And I for, agree, I, I enjoy think. reading some of the, many of the things that she's written, because they really are, um, I mean, they're humorous. They're they're confronting, they're they're controversial. They're always confronting, they're always controversial, they're always
0: thought-stimulating, they're mostly funny. It's almost at the level of, um, of stand-up comedy, I find. Well, well, she. I mean, she started off as a comedian. Yes. And and a really good comedian, of course, has those has a sort of cutting insights yes. which can offend people. does she? She was a writer for, uh, for
1: Rove and a few other. Oh, she um, she's written movie, for a, a
0: dozen or so yeah. television programs. She's good mates with Rove too. Yes. Yeah. Uh, uh, apparently, even after one of the tweets that uh, uh, that she made, where um, <coughs> where she says, oh, Rove and Tasma, who's his new wife?" Yes. Uh, says yeah, Rove and Tasma look so cute, hope she doesn't die too. You just, you know, Rose's first wife sadly yeah, died no. three or four years ago. Bad taste,
1: probably. Bad taste probably gets people talking about it, yes. The sort of thing that um, a stand-up comedian would probably say. Yeah. Uh, in front of a live audience. Dare I say it, probably what a lot of people were thinking. <laughs> now, is it appropriate is to, uh, to broadcast that to the world through Twitter? Um... <laughs>
0: Well, hmm. look, I reckon a lot of people were thinking it. Yes, it was tasteless.
1: Okay. It was, but I mean that's really no different to uh, some of the things that she has written about in her columns in the Age. Yep, which it's you can choose to, yeah, which you can choose to read or not. Exactly. Um,
0: I, I think actually the one the one that got, caused more offence was where she saw Bindi Irwin um and um, she tweeted i do so hope bindi Irwin gets laid and people i think misunderstood bindi's this. what 11 or 12 11 year old yeah um, yeah yeah mm. uh, and uh, this was this was taken up in a fairly hysterical way mm. actually with people saying oh <laughs> Yes, she's uh, she's encouraging um, uh, child sex, etc., cetera, etc., which of course she wasn't. I mean, she's you know, she was being controversial and she was commenting on the uh, well,
1: as she explained it afterwards. Raunch, culture, raunch culture, culture, Yeah. 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 Well, yeah. is she backpedalling now and trying to justify it through through other means? I well,
0: it was just, it was a, it's a spur of the moment yeah. thing yeah. from somebody
1: who's professionally controversial and thought provoking. Now, here's the problem with Twitter: it's a spur of the moment thing, and that's what um, what Devaney's been saying. She's saying. And she likened Twitter to passing notes in class. I think were her words. And it's not. It's definitely not. And I think it's uh, to me, Twitter is nothing. It couldn't be further than uh, than passing notes in class. That's exactly it's it's like standing at a lectern with a microphone and broadcasting your thoughts to the world. Because everything you say on Twitter is available publicly for everyone around the world, and not only now but forever. Forever. Because, I mean, it was it Library of Congress? It's the it's li- Library of Congress uh, have declared that they're going to be uh, storing, saving, and making available forever every tweet. All, all billions of tweets that have ever been made will be publicly available. Even if you choose to delete it, it will still be there stored forever. So... Uh, Mm-hmm. Sorry, sorry, Catherine. It's not yeah. like
0: passing notes in class uh, because that passing notes, uh, assuming that teacher doesn't get it. I mean, did you ever get sprung passing notes in class as a kid? Oh, uh, once or twice. And yeah. so how embarrassing it? It, But the teacher grabs it and then reads it out to the class. Yeah, it, it's it, uh, yeah, it's hugely embarrassing, isn't it? It's a standard thing for teachers to do, isn't it? Let's mm. read this interesting note then. It's a <laughs> great way to embarrass people into not doing it. And yeah, Catherine Devaney actually did doesn't understand social media no but
1: just, just is, as boeing didn't understand here's a question for you though mm-hmm. she was tweeting as catherine not as catherine the age journalist or yeah, was but, she? uh, well
0: she, she's uh, i mean she wasn't a full-time employee of the age she was a, uh, oh, she's a freelance. Or? yeah she was freelance yeah she, she was paid to do one um uh, one column a week mm. um Yes, she wasn't Catherine from the Age. She wasn't Devony of the Age. She was Catherine Devony, mm. who does a lot of other stuff. I mean, she she is a stand up comedian. She's yes. got a show on at the moment at the Trades Hall. Okay, so the Age have just said we're no longer going to be um, accepting the weekly column. Yeah. Because of the bad language she used, and because it didn't meet their mm. uh, their standards, fascinating. <laughs> actually,
1: read some of her articles that they published, and uh, quite happily published, and, and the language has been a lot worse than some of those.
0: Uh, it, it it has been, and some of the and some of the challenging things have been more challenging. What it, what actually interested me was that in that same two other things interestingly happened that week. One, they're serialising the story of the an editor of the Age from about thirty years ago who revived. The newspaper from being a
1: terminally boring provincial rag. I mean, like it is now, <laughs>
0: <laughs> I, I, as as it's becoming again now. Yes, uh, into something that's really uh, that, that, that was really challenging. It provoked thoughts. It brought down governments by revealing secrets they didn't want revealed. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was a major push for for social change as well. It employed challenging people and and actually serialising the biography of this guy to say uh, on the same day that they fire somebody for being <laughs> controversial mm. and interestingly if you're looking at people's private lives and public lives I've just mentioned that Wayne Carey was inducted into some hall of fame, not by the age, of course. Again, this week, Wayne Carey
1: being
2: uh, a oh, AFL
0: a- a-
1: a- footballer who um, a- a, he was he was a very good footballer, but in his he bonked his teammate's wife in the toilet somewhere.
0: Yes, uh, uh, the, <laughs> sorry it, to put it so. Yes, um, well, it, and, and, and 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 amongst other things, I think he was also done for for thumping. Some was a number said, of things, and decent he 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 bashed a woman, which is again not something that any well, no, not something you would do in polite society,
1: certainly mm-hmm. um, so, so I think the lesson here I mean for everyone from all of these is that uh, the world is changing, social media is changing the way in which business and individuals have to operate. things that are said there are going to come back and haunt you at some stage sometimes short-term sometimes longer-term and the marketing environment is
0: changing Boeing learnt this very quickly Catherine mm. Devaney is le- uh, is learning this, and I'm sure she'll pop up again soon. Cause she's a, she's got a good brain, mm. uh, so she'll she'll pop again pop up again with a, with, uh, with a, um, a with another job, uh, and lots of people in that comedy. And th- there's also issues of sexism, possibly because Wayne Carey's a bloke and Catherine
1: Devaney's a girl. So yeah, oh, the ABC a- didn't sack Will Anderson for his uh, Logie's night tweets, and they they were a lot more offensive than some of the things oh, she well, said. Well, so mm. there you go. I mean,
0: again, there may well have been a history there too. Yeah. Um, in- interesting that when people, a lot of people didn't like to be challenged by what Catherine Devaney said, and that that again I think is a, has got marketing implications also. Mm. Yeah.
1: Um, now um, something I want to raise with you, Colin, particularly mm-hmm. with your um, your branding conference you've been to and mm-hmm. other uh, other branding expertise that you have. Mm-hmm. The federal government has this week announced that cigarette packaging from 2012 will no longer be allowed to contain on the packaging uh, logos, colours, um, imagery um, that in fact it's been likened I think by one article I read uh, rather than cigarette branding they're calling it cigarette blanding. Uh, which I think is very clever. That is clever, I I thought of it. Yeah. yeah, but this legislation will be all cigarette packets must be plain. The only thing that's allowed to appear on them in a plain font is the name of the, the cigarette, for example, Winfield uh, Blue, Yeah. Uh, and, of course, a large graphical image showing horrific um, lung cancer and those sorts of things. Um, now, this is one of a number of initiatives mm-hmm. the government is, mm-hmm. is putting in place to reduce people smoking. The other is massively increasing the prices of cigarettes through tariffs and taxes and so on. Um, is this? Well, back to what we said before. Increased price will reduce demand, obviously.
0: Um, yeah, I, I suppose so, yeah. You've got the intersection of the demand curve, well, the demand curve and the spike of price elasticity. Absolutely. In fact, is, is, is smoking price elastic? Yes, it
1: probably is. It is. Well, I've got some research which proves it. Oh, huh. uh, terrific. <laughs> <laughs> Let me, I, I'll tell you who... Um, who commissioned this research in a moment but smoking research shows a correlation between price and motivation to quit okay so the government's tax hike on tobacco will present a strong motivator to smokers to kick their habit 65% of smokers rank the price of cigarettes as a key trigger for trying to quit second only to their concern for their health Okay, so there's an what? Interesting Sorry, So the price is more important than, than the health. health. Absolutely. <laughs> I suppose if health was important, it was so important would be smoking, smoking you know. they'd
0: have quit in the first place.
1: Exactly. exactly. So price is a key motivator. Let me just say that this is potentially biased because this research was commissioned by Nicorette. You're obviously selling products to help people quit. Yeah. Okay, so I need to be careful when we mm-hmm. take, uh, take information like this. But certainly price is going to be a motivator. So, so it, it's, you know, there's some evidence to suggest it's, it's a price elastic market. That's okay. right. And the government's own figures show that over the years, as the price has gone up, the number of people smoking have gone down. Mm-hmm. Now, that's not the only variable that's changed, and yeah. this new big one that's going to happen is the blanding issue. Yep. Is that going to reduce the number of people smoking? What's your your view on this, Colin? I hate
0: well, I hate to be, you know, to always be cynical, but <laughs> is the government really trying to get people to stop smoking? If the government was really concerned about it, they'd just come out and ban it, <laughs> uh, mm. rather than uh, rather than doing this. Perhaps they just want to be seen to be doing something about it. I'm reminded of the argument from twenty thirty years ago, which is uh, which is that smoking is probably. Of net benefit to a country like Australia, financially. Financially, financially. I mean, the the tax take from cigarettes would be huge. The government gets a whopping great big amount of uh, of tax just yeah uh, tax from that, as well as of course the uh, ordinary retail taxes from (laughs) sales. And frankly, it also saves money from the healthcare budget because smokers die earlier. Yes, um, they they die unpleasantly, you know, lung cancer and so on is a ghastly way to go. But if you're dying in your 60s of lung cancer... There'll be less need for long-term health care. Long-term healthcare, retirement homes, hip replacements, and whatever else it is that gets you <laughs> 20, that would get you otherwise twenty or thirty years later. So you save <laughs> That's a, a very cynical You're thing. saving twenty or thirty years of the pension.
1: That's a very. I'm you're comfortable sa- with the, the tax uh, revenue argument, but that one's that's pushing a little bit, isn't it?
0: Uh, well, it might be. I've got a reference. It's Anthony <clears throat> J. and somebody or other, Lynn who um, they, they, who did this. the Yeah.
1: Okay. Hmm. I mean i've got to say though in a way I'm, i'm trying to go back to my teenage years as a teenager yeah i somehow suspect that a plain package like this is actually going to be cool this new packaging piece teenagers are going to look at it and say wow look at this i've got one of these new bags
0: this change is going to be an interesting process you and i both have teenage children and one very effective way of getting teenagers to do something is for old farts like you and me to tell them not to Absolutely, uh, n- not. Uh, not, of course, our own, uh, uh, our own children, of course. Mm-hmm. But uh, actually, w- while I uh, while I mentioned it, big hello to Sophie, uh, Sophie uh, Jay who was uh, who actually raised the issue of blanding of uh, okay, yes. in, a, in a in a class uh, the other night. Eh? Mm-hmm. Uh, Sophie? So you know, Sophie was in an undergrad class, of mine and she's now in a postgrad uh, okay. the class, which is terrific. Yep. Um, yeah, yeah. So Sophie uh, asked about this.
1: Um, I, I really can't see. I mean, because at the moment, the pack- cigarette packages. They're not on display anywhere legally they're not allowed to be shown at, at point of sale yep there's no advertising we don't see the logo anywhere than uh, other than um than when the packet's disposed of on the ground like, or that stupid or car race. or, or that, that stupid car race where i think they're still no no they've been removed have from they? that have they yes yeah, formula one racing really i mean there, there is still some proxy mm. um advertising if you look at uh ferrari for example that barcode on the back mm if you squint your eyes a little bit, you you can faintly see the Marlboro logo in there. Oh, really? There's there's some debate about that. Mm -hmm. But um, but you you don't see the logos anyway. The logos and the packages don't encourage people to buy. Mm -hmm. I think all they do are differentiate between brands once someone is already a smoker. Mm -hmm. okay, so it's not going to prevent more people smoking. Maybe it will will prevent people from being selective about the brand that they choose. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay, maybe people will then choose based on taste rather than the image that the packet is going to give them when they're, they're displaying that packet um,
0: publicly. I don't know what smoking uh, what motivates people to smoke cigarettes. Addiction. I, well, yeah, but, but, yeah, but you're not addicted from the very first, are you? No. So, so what, what motivates people to actually start? We've actually got a, a visitor coming over from the States, Jeremy Keese, Kees, K-E-E-E-S. Mm-hmm. Um, Dr. Jeremy Kees, he, he's done some really interesting research in the States. He's presented to us in a couple of weeks, 16th of May, I think. Okay, yep. So if anybody's interested, uh, send us an email or get, get in touch, we'll, we'll pass on the details. We'll some He's done some, fa- or oh, just Google him. Mm. Uh, yeah, I, I, I found him very easy with, uh, yeah. uh, easily with Google. Yep. Um, it's, and he, he's done some very interesting
1: motivational research,
0: psychological research, uh, research there.
1: Is the but government guilty here, though, of of perceiving branding to be all about a logo, a colour, and a package? Okay, I mean a brand is No, so the, gov- the government's not guilty of that.
0: The government's guilty of. Um, of trying to
1: give the impression of doing something when it 's actually not they 're talking about debranding of cigarettes this isn 't debranding of cigarettes. people will still be smoking and thinking about Marlborough or Winfield or whatever they 're selling the idea to people like you and me that they care about our health, mm. which they don 't
0: because if they did, they'd ban it um, they, they 're pandering to our prejudices which is that smoking is disgusting just as they pander to the prejudices of people who are desperately scared of the half dozen or so be, uh, refugees who arrive by boat as opposed to the tens of thousands who arrive by plane mm-hmm. uh, and uh, go- uh, governments and oppositions have been uh, governments I should say have been making huge amounts of political capital, their capital out of this for years nearly ten years now which is mm. quite astonishing, quite astonishing that they're still getting away with tapping into that particular bit of ignorance um but no we people don't think very highly of politicians and they, <laughs> and and it gets cut through
1: gee we're taking no prisoners this uh, this week are we
0: <laughs> oh, yeah. don't, well i mean i'm sorry they, they, yeah they, they they say they they're doing it because they they care about our health mm.
1: yeah.
0: sorry i mean they, they they care about us getting killed on the road so they put in speed limits and they, and they have, uh, and I don't know what proportion of the police budget is spent on taking photographs of us as we do three or four Ks over the limit. They're very, very keen on enforcing that. Mm. Uh, You're absolutely banned from travelling at more than 100 kilometres, 110 kilometres an hour, anywhere. Well, they're enforcing the
1: that because that's another revenue raiser for them,
0: just like the, the taxes on cigarettes. Well, indeed, indeed. Uh, and... Yeah, the 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 place i'm a perfect driver of course unlike everybody else in the world uh, in in fact similar to pretty well every other male listening to this podcast is is of course a perfect driver and every time i've been pinged for speeding it's been in a perfectly safe spot <laughs> Thank you very much. And I'm I sure there'll it's the same be some thing.
1: people that argue against this. I'm sure all our listeners would argue well, about that same thing. But I haven't banged into another kind <laughs> for years. Now, Colin, our final issue I want to cover this week, because I'm just uh, conscious of the top. We've gone over 40 minutes already, but there's one more issue I want to cover. And mm-hmm. I know this is one that you're not familiar with because you have been overseas, mm-hmm. so you weren't aware of the developments back here in Melbourne um, right through April. Early in April, it was announced that a new restaurant was opening up in, in Melbourne. Mm-hmm. It was called the Hidden Pizza Restaurant. Mm-hmm. Okay, now, this was, was announced through blogs and uh, a, a range of other, other media. Mm-hmm. Social, um, media or social media? Yep, me- social media, primarily, yep, social media, yes. Yeah. Tapping into the young, cool Melbourne culture. Yeah. Saying there is a new pizza restaurant. They announced that the chef, Tony Fazio, I think his name was, a, a renowned pizza chef. Um, Italian-sounding name. But <laughs> yeah. It's got to be good, hasn't it? Yeah. And um, this, this hidden pizza restaurant... Uh, they wouldn't declare where it was, didn't tell anyone the address, didn't even tell anyone the phone number, but just said, if you can find it, the pizzas are free. Okay, and to find it, you look it up like you'd look up any other business. And that's all they said. Okay, now... Yeah. <laughs> Now, obviously, people then said, we're intrigued by this. I mean, yeah. it's a bit of a mystery. Mm-hmm. People love a, love a mystery. Yeah. Um, and people then went searching and so on. And I mean, OK, you're a different demographic to the one they were targeting, Colin. Mm-hmm. How would you find the phone number of the hidden pizza restaurant? Easy, Google. Aha. <laughs> I didn't expect you to say that. Oh, That's sorry. certainly what uh, what young people would say. You've been around young people too long.
0: No, I, I'm, I'm frightfully young. Just ask me. Yeah. <laughs> if, if you googled second
1: childhood, possible. If, if you Google hidden pizza restaurant, you mm. wouldn't find the phone number. What you would find is lots of people talking about it, obviously, in, yeah. in social media and so on. Yeah. You could potentially find the phone number that people have been relayed through their blogs and so on. Mm. But what they wanted people to do was to go to the Yellow Pages because there was a, an online listing. for oh, well, yellowpages.com.au. Yeah. Yellowpages.com.au. There was an online listing for Hidden Pizza Restaurant, for, and this ran for a couple of weeks from the 12th to the 25th of April. Mm-hmm. You could only find in the Yellow Pages. You then had to go through a big rigmarole to phone a number, uh, get an order number, then you had to text it through, then you had to go and queue up to get your free pizza. Um, this pizza's, what's a pizza worth these days, ten bucks that. Yeah. And it was in Fitzroy um, fascinating the way this, this thing went, the whole thing is a promotion by census, yellow yeah. pages clever, to encourage people to use the yellow pages I wonder how many of our listeners would actually
0: use the yellow pages either online or in hard copy normally, <laughs> yeah. I, I've certainly given up, I mean I, I gave up a few years ago when the, the, the product it's incredibly frustrating to use, I find. It, it was di- it, the product became very difficult to use about three four years ago, and I left it, and I've never bothered to go back
1: since, which presumably is why they did this. Mm. Exactly. Well, at the end of the campaign, and, and this is continuing on Facebook, at the end of the campaign, they actually uh, declared that in the two weeks they received just over 8,000 calls. Okay. okay. Yeah. So they're, they're using this to justify that people use the yellow pages and advertising and the yellow pages works. But, but didn't people just repost? Uh, absolutely, they yeah. did. Yes, I mean, the blogosphere was full of discussion on this, including people linking to Google Maps and so on so people could find it, Mm -hmm. posting the phone number, talking about the process you've got to go through to get the free Mm -hmm. pizza. Now, to justify that Yellow Pages works, here is uh, what Census had to say. In two weeks, we received just over 8,000 calls. Each time someone called, we asked them where they found the number. The results showed more than 70% of callers found the number in the Yellow Pages.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Now. Which means that thirty percent didn't. Yeah. yeah.
1: And the yellow pages were the only place that they placed the number. What the hell are they thinking? <laughs> well of course that's where people found the number. I'm, me, I'm fascinated
0: that a, th- a third of people even said they found it from somewhere other than the place that they.
1: Well, I know some people. In fact, one of one of our students actually um sent me a message because mm-hmm. uh, I've been discussing this on Facebook recently. Mm-hmm. Sent me a message saying that he phoned up for a free pizza. When they asked him how he found the number, he told them yellow pages so he'd get the free pizza. But he picked up the number from somewhere else. Ah, <laughs> good on you. Who was that? Was that was that James? That was James. Oh, that was James. <laughs> oh, well, well, well done, James. Yeah. <laughs> yeah <laughs> um, so I really think this whole campaign is is really not going to achieve anything for yellow pages. I think firstly it 's reinforcing the fact that the people don 't use the yellow pages anymore, and that there are yeah. better ways to find information yeah. and secondly they 're quoting these bogus figures saying that seventy percent of people find the number in the yellow pages said
0: they found the they said, said it yeah
1: and because that's the only place they put the number anyway <laughs> that is frightening so I, uh, it's going to be fascinating to see where they take this campaign from here what mm-hmm. are they going to do with this information sure it was a really cool funky idea people love the idea of something for free mm-hmm. and it was in a little laneway in the back of fitzroy so mm-hmm. it was a really cool sort of place with milk crates and wheelie bins everywhere so it was it was quite um yeah, quite cool the way they did yeah. it yeah and, and they were good pizzas too mm. But, um, so I've heard. But ultimately, what's this actually proving? Will more people use the yellow pages as a result? Or, or is it the last gasp of an old technology? I wonder, yeah. And, I mean, if we look at... I, I mean, is Google the the yellow pages main competitor these days? I would imagine probably would be. Ooh. Yeah. Um, yellow pages, because also has the, the where is mapping linked to yellow pages. Yeah. Google has Google Maps. Yeah. Um... I find the where is mapping very clumsy to use i get the yeah, google google's bigger and does it better i think mm-hmm. but yeah but certainly the the creative idea here it, it got people talking certainly sure. if you want buzz about your brand this worked yeah but long term i i really am struggling to see this is going to generate a, a success for uh, for census mm. interesting well yeah
0: but uh, it may just be that the problem I mean you you're 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 selling a product
1: that an outdated product yeah it could, la- could be the last gasp of a dying product. Yeah. I'd love to hear what our listeners think about this. So yeah. uh, please, listen at the end of the podcast. You'll hear our um, feedback uh, line information and, uh, and email address. Let us know what you think about this whole campaign. Yeah. Is it, no, sure, you might have loved the pizzas, yeah. but what, what, what are your perceptions of Yellow Pages as a result mm. of this? Mm. Hmm. Could look, uh, Cole, we've been going for nearly 50 minutes. Oh, cranky. Yeah, it's a Charge long podcast. Yeah. 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 So, uh, look, great to have you back.
0: It's, uh, look, it's terrific to be back. I mean, it's great It's great to be out of the chaos of uh, of Europe and uh, and not go to Bangkok, which I was supposed to go on the way back, too. But uh, it, it's good to be back. It's good to be back in uh, a sensible country where we don't have volcanoes, too. Yeah, excellent.
1: Good. Well, um, make sure you come back and listen to the podcast again next week, everyone. Uh, this has been podcast number 94 for Marketing Today. And uh, to take us out a music track from In The Cinema, and this track is called Midday Refuge. See you later. See ya.
2: Hi, this is Ryan from In The Cinema, and we're very proud to be a Podsafe artist. Driving with the wind and the rain. With every drop that hits my pain I can't believe it's come to this On the way to where you live The traffic stops abruptly A hundred crows all circle above me Waiting for the exodus And when will there be nothing left? think of the collapse that sent vibrations from the cities down to Dallas. And are we past this? Can we get past this? Are we With the wind and the rain to your door, and I'll be the first to admit that you deserve more. You deserve more. You know, the heart has many hallways, trenches, and graves. But you were just a visitor, just a visitor. Follow me back to our city. See the village stand still when you hold me. Oh, but the awakening of spring has gotta mean something. And as the sun sets over the river, how we pass this? Tell me, can we get past this?
0: Can join our conversation by calling plus 613 9903 or by emailing podcast at monashmarketing.com. This podcast is protected under a Creative
2: Commons Attribution Non-Commercial Sharealike License. You are welcome to share and remix this podcast for non-commercial purposes.